Good morning, Tuesday, December 12th. 12th. Today we're talking about Ford pumping the brakes, dealers pumping the brakes, and teens not pumping the brakes. Ah. <laughs> teens haven't been known to pump the brakes. In case you've never met it's one. an all gas, no brake situation. It would be really interesting to be able to go back and get teenage Paul and teenage Kyle together. <laughs> And see how that interaction went. I have no idea what you were like as a teenager. <laughs> All right, I'll give I'll give it I'll give you the simple stuff from like when you become a teenager, thirteen to we'll call it fifteen, which is yep. sophomore year. You'd have found me in a corner, not talking to anybody. I know, com <laughs> completely surprising. Like you would have never actually interacted with me. Okay. And then all of a sudden, junior year, you would have come back to high school, and you'd have been like. Who's this Kyle kid Who's that all of a sudden kid? started coming to our school? So. Oh my gosh. Did, <laughs> did you play music in high school? Uh no. Actually, I did not learn how to play the guitar until until my junior year in high school. Gotcha. So Interesting. I was, I was not a musician mm. at my early age. So. Well, high school, I was still pretty much very personable. <laughs> I was very personable. And like I at in my sophomore year is when I found the guitar. And that from then on, it was like bands and concerts and, you know, yeah. getting my driver's license. <laughs> I never I never had the garage band thing. I know well, we didn't have a garage, but we had a garage band. There we call it. Yeah. I mean, like, look, it was Nirvana. It was I was in high school in the mid 90s. So it was like right. Stone Temple Pilots, but, you know, all that stuff. Either way, we're going to put hey, on a little show hey. of our own, though. Hey, because the whole is. trip has been back from high school to now. To how can we put on shows for people? That's all. Um, so on uh, our third annual year-end extravaganza is coming up quickly on December twenty-first. Um, it is going to be an hour-ish of uh, industry recap. Looking ahead, we're having a ton of guests come on the show. If you've seen uh, any of the other two, you realize this is just a time uh, to have a little fun, to hear, to learn a little bit, to get a little insight, and to to really like just a little family time. Let's celebrate the people we're with. The comments on the LinkedIn Lives usually get lit up, so it's so much oh, fun to so just good. be in the comments. Um, yep. So go to our LinkedIn page, um, Asotu, just search ASOTU on LinkedIn, click on events, and you'll see it right there. We hope you can uh, attend the event, check the live stream. It'll also be on YouTube and stuff like that if you're a it's YouTube, be so if you're a YouTube person, but we, we really hope you can join us because uh, it's kind of like our little year-end gift to the industry. Yeah. We'll call it that. So <laughs> uh, tomorrow, uh, what do we got going on? We got a fast-paced webinar tomorrow. We got a really good webinar tomorrow. They're only It's only 20, 25 minutes. Um, we get in, get out. Make sure you get some information that can help you in the store. This one is with Upstart, and it's all about transforming car buying, the power of connected auto retailing. What I love about this is we have Karen Burr, the GM of Colonial VW and Subaru, along with Oksana Campbell, the dealer success manager for Upstart, um, kind of working together to talk through this. So it's a real practitioner talking about exactly That's what the they're thing. doing in the store, challenging and changing the consumer experience. So uh, I can't wait to have this conversation. For sure. It's always good. You should join. Go to asodu.com. Scroll down just a little bit. You can't miss it. Yes, it's always good when you hear what the dealer's doing on the front line. I think that's always what it is. Oh, we have a fun announcement. We're going to skip it for now. But Kyle and I have been asked to moderate a special dealer-only thing at NADA this year. We'll talk about that another time. But for now, let's get into some news. Um, here we go. We're going to talk a little bit EV from the OEMs, what the dealers are saying on the front lines. So Ford is slashing its F-150 Lightning product in half in 2024 wow. as the market demands and the ev narrative are rapidly shifting so the new target 
is around 1,600 vehicles per week at the Rogue Electric Vehicle Center in Michigan. According, here's how we found that this out. Here's how. Jamie Butters put on a burglar costume. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not how this happened. Um, uh, so basically, this is according to a supply, <laughs> supplier memo that was obtained by Automotive News. Uh, so, you know, the supplier rollback in, in the memo Ford's like, hey, we're cutting production back. That's how we found this out. I'm sure Ford will have a statement on it soon. Ford delayed about $12 billion in EV investments and have adjusted their production targets even as November sales of the Lightning hit an all-time high. Uh, meanwhile, of course, the production of their gas-powered F-150s in Michigan and Missouri uh, remained stable across the board. No surprise there. And here's a quote from the Ford CFO, John Lawler. This is what he said in October. He said, the narrative has been has taken over that EVs aren't growing. They're growing. It's just growing at a slower pace than the industry. And quite frankly, we expect it. Yeah, I think that that's, that's the, the dichotomy in the conversation right now. I, I hear a lot of people and a lot of news sources and a lot of citing, and, and we're about to get to what dealers have to say about it. But there's a lot of this, well, EVs, nobody, nobody wants an EV. And I think that mm -hmm. it's more... Not as many people want an EV as we expected would be the case at this point. It's it it you know just the the note that they they had an uptick in sales uh, in November for their all time high of the Lightning sales shows hey this is still progressing up. It's mm -hmm. it's just not the big old you know exponential curve that maybe uh, the manufacturers and the government were expecting at this point. So don't I I wouldn't totally get out on evs it's just that there's a more measured approach coming from these oems i mean you mean production in half whoa yeah other than just the lightning though they have other stuff that's true they have other stuff but you mean to tell me that when the narrative on one side is everyone wants an ev and then the narrative swings to the other side that no one wants the ev that it might just be possible that, that some people want an ev <laughs> unbelievable something about measured approach general oh, things you know speaking of measured approaches yes there you go all right so let's hear what dealers have to say about this issue um this is from a wall street journal art journal article today uh talking about what ev adoption is looking like from the front lines and we're going to give you a series of quotes from some dealers and also a quote from mary barris ceo of gm um so uh, first one is from, uh, oh, I don't have their first name. I think it's Steve Rochelle, Love Rochelle. Uh, basically, he is, uh, or she, I don't know. I got this all messed up. I don't have it in the notes. Vice President of Sheehy Auto Sales said, we thought we could build. Paul, oh, Paul Love Rochelle. Paul Love Rochelle. How could I forget that? We thought right. we could build a million of them and sell them. Uh, said Paul Rochelle, Vice President and Sheehy Stores, which sells vehicles from a dozen different brands in Maryland, Virginia, and D.C. Their EV supply, day supply, is currently 6 to 12 months, when obviously the gas is way lower. Uh, he continued, we have a steady number of clients that have attempted or flat out returned their car. Um, so that's one dealer's perspective, right? Pretty big group, too. Like, they have a little experience. We're not talking about a little rock, rock lot. Uh, here's another one. This is from Mary Rice, dealer principal at Toyota of Greensboro in North Carolina. Um, she says, I'm not hearing the consumer confidence in the technology. People aren't beating down the door to buy these things, and they have a different excuse. They all have a different excuse why they aren't buying. Uh, Rice continued, I start to think, you know, maybe we should just all pump the brakes a little bit. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. <laughs> Final quote is from uh, GM CEO Mary Barra. 
Uh, and she says, although the rate of growth has slowed recently, EV demand is clearly moving in the right direction. Uh, she said this in a recent conference call with analysts. Um, a combination of more affordable options and better charging infrastructure would help encourage more people to buy electric vehicles. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is so much fear in where and when am I going to charge this thing and how much do I have to pay to get into this new technology? It's like, I mean, you remember when OLED uh, TVs came out? Oh, Nobody gosh. was running to Walmart to buy those things. But now it's just well, that like was a cost issue, right? That was a cost issue. I mean, I want an 8K TV. I don't want to spend six grand for it. Right. I mean, you want an AV. You don't want to spend 90 grand for it. That's right? a good point. That okay. is a good, good point. Also, and you want an EV. You don't want to spend an extra $1,000 installing uh, the thing. You want an charger. EV. You don't want to have to wait 30 minutes to to charge it in a non, non-standard location, like a gas station, which is on yep. every corner. So there, there's these barriers to entry that will be overcome, I believe, in the next sure. three to five years, but it just takes time. Experience too, like yep. people saying like, right, like back to your, you want an EV, but if you live up where I do in upstate New York, you don't want to wake up, drive your car outside and realize that your gas tank is, or your fuel tank is a third less full just because it's cold out. Yep. Well, right? and I think like things like uh, the rental car companies continuing to commit to EVs, Yeah. if dealers even are providing evs in their loaner fleets oh, could be yeah. an opportunity great to, one, to get people into these vehicles and get mm -hmm. them experiencing them i would say if you have that putting some sort of experience coordinator in that role where they can actually Ooh, train the person good on how to like prepare your customers for the next purchase two three four years down the line right now with their loaner fleet or with rental vehicles so that that way when they get in to actually own it they have some level of education on actually driving the and experience. Yeah. It just takes like one time to realize like, Oh, this is what it's all about. Um, you exactly. know, I've driven a few, I don't own one. I have a lot of friends that are starting to own them. I wonder like, what is, what is the first EV I'll own? Right. Like, because even me, like I'm pretty much a normal commuter, but I do take my share of like road trips, visiting clients, this and that. And it's, it's the long range stuff. And EV would be great for me in my everyday life. I don't know. Yeah. I, li I like the Kia EV9. I'm waiting to see. Well, I think I like go. it. I think I like it. It I'm looks nice, at least. It looks nice, but the 350-mile range is just like, it's got to just be a little higher for me. A little bit ticking. Uh, speaking of things that are ticking up. Segway. Time. Prepare to be surprised. Here we go. According to a new <laughs> Pew Research study, teens prefer YouTube to TikTok as a growing number, say they're on the platforms almost constantly uh approximately 90 percent of teens use youtube on a regular basis making it the most popular platform in the pew research center survey with tiktok second at 63 percent snapchat at 60 percent instagram at 59 percent. so a little tight race for number two um so what we see is that the platforms are shifting actually uh in 2014 and 2015 facebook was used by over 70 percent of teens and it's now down to 33%. Uh, Twitter has also seen a significant decline. Uh, Twitter renamed to X. Um, this is this is the wild one. Nearly one in five teens report using YouTube and TikTok in combination, quote unquote, almost constantly. Ooh. 
a third then, of teens uh, yeah. use at least one of the five sites. Yeah, if you put them all together, it's a third of teens saying I use it almost constantly. So look, we we could definitely get into the the conversation of what is this doing to the teenage mind and all that. Um, but I think the reality is there were a couple surprises in this. We'll have that's for a different podcast. <laughs> but um, but I think a few of the surprises for me. Number one, um, that YouTube is that far above the other platforms. Um, yep. At first that shocked me, but then I thought of like the teens. I have three teenagers in my house or two teens, one preteen, and they do use YouTube. Well, they don't have TikTok, so kind of not an apples to apples, but right. they are all in on these YouTube creators and YouTube ecosystems and the comment sections. It's actually very interactive. Yeah, and my, my oldest, my 17 year old son um, told me just yesterday, last night we were having a conversation. He goes, you know what, what, what's really trending up is people are getting sick. There's so much polished content out there people are actually starting to gravitate toward these very low production real life um real life people and that makes a lot of sense you see um i just saw another study about depression rates and all that coming out of covid like people are more depressed and feeling more lonely and more by themselves um it's because there's no more shared experience the people out there doing real regular life and the people just having life on their phones big disparity there um i think we can all pay a little bit more attention to where what content we're making as an industry and where we're putting it, because I got to tell you, if you're trying to get teenagers that are getting their licenses and the, the young Gen Zers or the old Gen Zers, are you really working YouTube? Probably yeah. not. Well, and, and here's the other thing is it's, it's a signal that longer form content is actually coming back, hmm. right? Like if yes, there's YouTube shorts and that's extremely popular, but there is more desire Absolutely. to see longer form content that feels real. And so why not start to press into slightly longer form content as a dealership or dealer group? Um, because this is what always happens. The trend always is begun by the emerging generation. Whatever the digital trend is, is always like you think about 10 years ago, it was all what are millennials doing? Well, that's what essentially everyone starts doing right now. It's what is Gen Z doing? What are the teenagers doing? That's going to be over the next two to three years. It will be the macro trend. And so if you start to focus on what the trend is there, you'll be capturing the broader, more macro trend a little bit earlier than everybody. beachfront property. Speech from property. Got to get that first row, not the second row. Second row is okay. First row is better. Look, it's Tuesday. It's sunny in a lot of places. Get out there. Sell some cars. Serve some people. Check out the year in extravaganza. Go to our LinkedIn. A soda.